All right, you know, that's how we get it going live, back in action, streaming through your airwaves. This is the Roof of Sports Podcast, presented by the Sports Column. My name is Jason Fearman on Twitter at SportsProfit1. Guys, you know the show is 99% football, 1% everything else. And I've been blessed to speak to and interview some great former and current athletes uh, throughout my time, throughout about the 10 years that I've been doing this. And today, we are nothing short of that, guys. My special guest is a man who went to seven straight Pro Bowls from 1990 to 96. The star played at Texas A&M. He was the ninth overall draft pick in 1990, okay, leading to, we'll go to it, and recently uh, the Sporting News NFL Rookie of the Year Award, which is chosen by the players, coaches, and executives of the league back in 1990 when Emmett Smith was even playing. So, again, this man first elected to the first team All-Bro twice during his uh, great career with Miami, spent a couple of years with the Dolphins toward the end. He was voted to the 1990s All-Decade team. Guys, if you don't know what that means, that means that you were the best player at your position, one of the top two or three at the most of the entire decade. All right, he rarely ever misses a start at left tackle for the Dolphins, 118 straight games. Oh, and by the way, he blocked for Dan Marino's blind side for an entire decade. Today's special guest on the Roof of Sports podcast is one of the best offensive linemen I swear I've ever seen in my life, and that is former left tackle Richmond Webb. God bless you, man. Thank you for coming to the show. I really appreciate some time today. Hey, how you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be on your show. How you doing? Uh, I'm doing great. Much better that you're here, man. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie. When I hear Richmond Webb, that brings back unbelievable memories for me, you know, with the AFC East, the battles with the Bills, which we'll get into. But, yeah, I remember number 78 vividly, you know, uh, blocking for Dan Marino. And I highly doubt that Mark Duper and uh, Mark Clayton, nothing against them, but uh, – uh, Clayton and Duper, you know, they wouldn't have had their total yardage, and Marino wouldn't have been able to throw so much if it wasn't for you blocking this blindside man. So he knows that, and he paid homage to you recently, which I'll get to a little bit later. Okay, well, I definitely appreciate that. You know, it's always good when, um, you know, guys you play with, whatever, you know, hold you, or, or guys you play against hold you in high regard. So um, it's definitely an honor. You know, Marino's one of the all-time best to ever do it. And um, learned a lot from him, um, how to conduct myself as a professional, all that. Him and the Mark Brothers, so, um, man, that's, that's, that's outstanding. So I definitely appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely, man. Hey, listen, you held it down over there. We're going to get into some of the guys that you went against and really held your own big time, you know, going back, even watching tape, remembering, reading things. But I don't want to start on a somber note, and I know that you answered this question a bunch of times. But uh, first off, you, you were blessed to play with some of the greatest coaches that I've seen. We're talking about not just head coach Don Shula, who I'd like to get to in a minute, but Jimmy Johnson, Dick LeBeau. I mean, that's great. You're talking about a great player coached by great coaches. Uh, that's a blessing there in itself. Three, three Hall of Famers. That's right. <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> and that's exactly where you should be. You're in the Dolphins uh, honor ring. That's a different story altogether. But real quick, man, listen, Richmond, if you don't mind, just a little insight on Don Shula, the man, the coach, and maybe what he meant to you as a football player and even off the field. Well, you know, that, that's the thing is that, you know, I grew up in um, Dallas as a kid, big Cowboy fan. And I can remember uh, during my time, it was Tom Landry 
and Dom Shula, and I think Chuck Noll of Pittsburgh. Those were the guys that were kind of the face of the NFL. So I knew about him, but didn't really know about him. And um, <clears throat> so then I get drafted by the Dolphins, and I get the call from Coach Shula um, on draft day saying, hey, are you ready to be a Dolphin? So I said, yes, sir. And uh, after after we got off the phone, it was a NBC affiliate, I believe, in South Florida that I had to go to the NBC station in Dallas and did a live satellite interview uh, for like the 10 o'clock news or whatever there. And they said, what do you think about Coach Shula? And uh, I said, oh, man, he's cool. He looks like he got a tan and he wears shades. On <laughs> watching him on Monday night, you know, Miami was always on Monday night football. Right, and right. Just, just from living in South Florida, you're going to have a tan. But he, he had like the transitional lens that had a little tint to him. So <laughs> man, was I in for a big surprise? I'm like, man, that guy was cracking the whip when I got there. And my uh, my position coach, John Sandusky, rest his soul, he said, so he said, man, is he in for a big surprise? And I was, but, um, man, I learned so much from Coach Shula and just his knowledge of the game. But it wasn't only that he taught us, but, you know, uh, people that were less fortunate than us, giving us, you know, getting us involved in charities and how important that was to him. So that, that just trickled down throughout the team. And, you know, we were always doing charity events, this and that, and to this day, it just talks to the give back that even after his coaching career, you know, he had a successful business, opening up steakhouse restaurants and stuff. So um, he's just a very blessed man, very intelligent, and continued to transition. And just because he's older, he never slowed down. So um, he said he said the example of, you know, um, just because one chapter in your life ends, it doesn't mean it's over. He, he continued to evolve and do stuff and, and still continue to do the things that he loves. So um, I, I love Coach Lee. He, 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 he was the total package. I guess that's the way I can sum it up. Wow. that That's really heartwarming right there. And that sounds like nothing but the truth, all of it right there. So, yeah, that goes to show you again, you know, not only winning his head coach of all time, but – you know, this guy touched a lot of hearts, a lot of lives, and he's going to be remembered for all the right reasons. So, yeah, still only uh, only undefeated team in uh, NFL history to go all the way to the Super Bowl, thanks to the Patriots. <laughs> but that's another story. Um, Yeah, so thank you for that, for sharing your thoughts with Shula. I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, going into your career, buddy, you know, you were a rookie in 1990. Again, you stepped in right away. You started all 16 games at left tackle. And, again, you know, you're blocking for Dan Marino. You make the Pro Bowl. I mean, you make you make first team All Pro, I believe, in your rookie season. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you stepped right in there, and, and, and immediately you were a playmaker. Yeah, and, and you know, I think two of the keys were, you know, uh, I was the first round pick, and Key Sims, um, my left guard, um, man, we were like a match made in heaven. But um, uh, that was almost unheard of to put two rookies on the left side, especially the left side of a guy like Dan Marino. He was already, you know, Hall of Fame status before we got there. Right. But I, I think what, what really got us ready for that season was the two starters were veterans that were holding out. So they held out all the training camp. So Coach Shula being the man he is, he made sure we got signed early. So we got a ton of reps in um, during training camp. We basically did all the preseason reps. You know, it just helped get us 
ready to play, you know, for the speed of the game and what they were expecting to learn the offense and where you can just go out and play and react because, I mean, every day they're installing new plays. I couldn't believe how thick the actual playbook was when I got to the NFL, but it's, it's man, it was from like 7 in the morning to like 10 at night <laughs> starting over the next day. So, wow. um, yeah, it was a fast learning curve, but that's what got us ready to play. And um, I think he knew he was going to be prepared whether we were or not that he was going to try to get us as close to, you know, being ready to play. But everything just worked out well. And you would have sworn me and Keith played high school and college ball together the way we just gelled instantly. And I, I attribute that to a lot of our success because he, he was a big part of my success. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of Keith Sims, I did want to bring him up. You know, he was like you say, your left guard played right next to you, played in school with you, and he ended up making Pro Bowls alongside of you. So you guys turned out to be a fantastic team, no doubt about it. You guys jailed, like you said, and uh, it really helped out Marino a lot. There's no question. And speaking of, you know, that left side, the protection that you had, you know, the two wide receivers and, of course, Dan Marino, um, I'm not going to go ahead and bash on defense of the running game. That's not my style, but – it still seemed that every year you guys were going into training camp like you were ready for the Super Bowl. That was your goal. I know that there are individual goals, division uh, first, so on and so forth. But it seemed every year it was going to be either you or Buffalo. Oh, ain't no question. And, um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, that was our Achilles heel. I mean, we were really good, but they were just a little bit – notch above us and what was it know, what was it Richard I'm, I'm, I'm worrying well, yeah had, I'm wondering this. Well, what was it I'm gonna tell you right now they had Jim Kelly Dan Marino so those two Hall of Fame quarterbacks right they had Andre Reed they had um James Lofton they had Thurman Thomas that's that's three more Hall of Famers that's mm. just offense and then they had a guy by the name of Steve Tasker um, he probably didn't get the recognition, but great special teams player, but he was also a guy that played in the slot that they could get the ball to. So Kelly was surrounded by weapons. And then on defense, you had Bruce Smith, and then you had Cornelius Bennett, um, uh, Frank Wright, and you had, um, um, I'm trying to think of the guy came from. Uh, uh, Daryl Talley you had over there also? Yeah. It, it, I mean, they, they were loaded, and um, it was normally a shootout to where sometimes it'd be like if, if we had to end up kicking a field goal, it would almost cost you because we'd either lose by like seven or ten points. I mean, like, you know, who, who gets the ball last or whatever. We could go down and score, and they come right back and score. So um, even though they lost four Super Bowls, I, I tell people that was one of the best teams um during the nineties without a doubt because they had they were consistent year after year to go to four straight Super Bowl, that's almost unheard of. Absolutely. And I really thought they should have won the first one. I bet, you know, they missed that field goal went went uh, I guess wide right or whatever. But, right. Um, they had some really good teams, yeah. Yeah, the old Scott Norwood. Uh, yeah, I think he was let go at 13 seconds after that. He kicked that ball, unfortunately. But, yeah, you're exactly right. The Buffalo Bills, um, I guess they were the model of the AFC, if you want to call them that. You guys weren't too far behind, if not neck and neck. But, yeah, you bring out a good point. They had that defense where, again, it was really tough to move the ball against. And that K-Gun offense that Jim Kelly and Marv Levy installed, um, look, things just work out for them. And, and to go to four four Super Bowls in a row – 
look, you lose all four of them. Okay, that's something to be said. But to go to four straight, I, I, yeah. come on now. I mean, you know, I, they got their butt kicked in every one of them except the first one, like you said. But still, they got there. And, you know, there was one year in 92, I believe it was, where you guys played them in the AFC Championship. And that was your year. I was rooting for you guys big time. And the game didn't turn out the way that it went. What? what and I believe that game was in Miami, Richmond. Correct me if I'm wrong. And it was. It was. And, that, and that was a heartbreaker because normally we went to Buffalo, but that was where I felt we really had an opportunity to pull out that one and, and go play in the Super Bowl. And that's the closest I ever got to a, to a Super Bowl. And I, I can remember, uh, I won't say my rookie year, and we were just talking to Dan, and he said, you know, he went to the Super Bowl like his first, second year or whatever, and he said, after they lost to the to the Niners, I believe, yeah, they lost to the Niners, and he said, oh, you know, I'll be back next year, and he said, it's been eight, nine years, I hadn't been back, he said, so when you get that opportunity, you got to make the make most of it, because you just never know if you're going to ever make it back again, so to get that close, to have the game at home on your turf and to lose, that was that was really tough for me. That one, that one stuck with me for a while. Yeah, I can imagine. I understand. Uh, look, I'm, I can only imagine, again, not in the NFL, and I just put myself in you guys' place with empathy. And, yeah, that that's really as tough as it gets, like you said, on your own home field. But, again, you guys gave it everything that you had. And, you know, not to put anything against your team, but they did have overall maybe better players, maybe better team, whatever you want to call it. You guys had a great coach, so did they. But, yeah, they were able to pull it out here. And I want to go to one thing about Dan Marino said to you real quick. Got a few other questions for you. And again, here with Richmond okay. Webb, former left tackle, uh, all decade 1990s team. This guy is phenomenal. Number 78 Dolphins. Uh, check it out. You want to know why Dan Marino didn't get sacked a lot? He's the reason. And Marino said about you with uh, your cousin, Jamarcus Webb, who played for the Dolphins last year. Um, they said that they were calling him Richmond on the field for laughs, but Marino, <laughs> you know, again, nothing against him at all. You know, we're, we're not doing that, but you know, they're calling him Richmond because out of respect for you, but Dan Marino jumps in and he said he wasn't joking when he told Jamarcus, your cousin, that he loves his former bodyguard is what he called you at left tackle. He called you his bodyguard. And that goes a long way when Dan Marino says something like that, man. No question. I mean, the thing I can say is I played with some really good guys, and we were really a good, close group. And, um, you know, to get a compliment like that from Dan Marino, you know, he knows I love him too. So we have a great relationship. I don't get to talk to him all the time, but uh, every time I go to a, to a game in South Florida, and I went to the game in Dallas last year uh, up in Dallas because I live in Houston now, um, uh, it's always get-together talk, catch up, you know, the old camaraderie, stuff like that. So we always have a great time. Nah, that's great. That's awesome. And, that, and that's something that you can't break that locker room. You hear it all the time. Our guys stay in touch and that locker room camaraderie. It's a real thing. You know, I never played anything past high school sports, but yeah, listen, man, I, I certainly get it. And yeah, I'm living here down in South Florida now for the past six years. And listen, bro, I can't imagine going through training camp in freaking South Florida, hundred degree heat. I mean, it's like you're in a bubble of humidity and a guy like you who has proven, you know, I'm not saying that you're asking for any special treatment or anything like that, but it's got to get, you know, no pun intended or full pun intended heated out there and guys getting fights. I'm not calling you. I'm not saying call out anybody, but I can imagine a scuffle or two going on in there during training camp. 
Oh yeah, yeah. like you said, it's, it's um, you know that's the thing about train camp when we played in two days, and I, I think it's just the monotony of the same old guy day in and day out. Right. You banging your head up against him, but that's why it was almost like a, um, a breath of fresh air when we actually started playing the preseason games because huh. at least you got to play, practice against somebody else or, or play a game against somebody else that. Um, you know, where in practice, you know, you got two hours, like you said, it's hot. It seems like as soon as you take a drink of water, you sweat it right back out. It's just miserable. Right. Um, <laughs> um, that's why I always kind of look forward to the um, the preseason games because it, it gave you a change of pace and um, you just kind of, you know, fighting with the guy right across from me because you saw him day in, day out and you, you're tired, your body's sore. You're like, man, I'll be glad we get out of this. And, you still got another month of it. it you know, it, it was grueling back then, but yeah, that's that's what we did. You right about that? Yeah, I get that, man. Like, listen, that that's a tough one in full gear, especially and the way they did it back then. It's not like nowadays. So, wow. And uh, yeah, you mentioned going up, going up against your guys, and can't wait to get to the preseason, regular season, going up against uh, the other team. And you know, I'll spit off a few names over here and. Even if it's not one of them, you know, give me a guy or two maybe who was your toughest competition. Of course, uh, you know, you faced Bruce Smith a couple of times a year. Uh, I don't know how many times you went against guys like Reggie White, Chris Stallman, Neil Smith, John Randall, you know, Brian Young even from my 49ers or Kevin Green. Uh, some of these guys, like, you know, who stands out to you that you had, you, you know, your big one-on-one battles with? Well, more than anybody, it was always Bruce Smith. Yeah. Uh, I can remember my rookie year. Um, my first game was against Richard Dent. Um, I my, <laughs> just preseason. Second game was against um, Clyde Simmons when they had Reggie White, Jerome Brown. Um, wow. Pitts and uh, uh, Go, uh, um, Golick. Um, right, Mike Golick. Yeah. Mike Golick. And then uh, third, we played against Simon Fletcher and um, – other guy from Denver, Mer- Carl Mecklenburg. Mecklenburg. Mecklenburg, sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my last game was the Vikings when they had Chris Doe. I played against Chris Doe, but they had Henry Thomas. Um, uh, who was the other guy? Was um, Randall there too at that time? But no, I don't think Randall was there yet. It was Henry Thomas, and uh, I'm trying to think of the guy that was in. He was a beast too. Man, it's just lost his name. Um, uh, me too. Dolman stands uh, out to me, but yeah, I'm trying yeah, to think of the other I had Dolman, so it was like, I was just like, this is just preseason. And <laughs> then I, I think that year I played against LT, Carl Banks, um, played against uh, Derek Thomas, wow. one of the guys in the uh, NFL. And this was, you know, all in one year. So it was like, it didn't matter. It seemed like every week it was somebody else. It's like, you know, it wasn't no. You know, this week I got an easy one. It was every week it was somebody else. Yeah, you're not kidding. And again, left tackle, that's where they put the predominant offensive lineman. That's where you are. And they had, oh, my goodness. Yeah, there were a lot of great defensive ends in that era and still in this era. Yeah, no doubt about it. And speaking of this era, uh, I want to ask you a quick question. Uh, I know that you're not around the team necessarily. I don't know what you hear and whatnot. Not asking for any inside info, but... Aaron Rodgers, um, look, obviously a hot topic. They drafted Jordan Love. Didn't really get him any help, quote-unquote, even though on the offensive line, they got banged around a little bit last year. So that, I thought, was a good move. Other than that, not getting him any skill positions. Um, the guy still has plenty left in the tank. What, 26 to 4 uh, interceptions last year? 
I know that love is the future, but you got Rogers for a couple of more years. You can, you know, bring this back to the Brett Favre days, uh, you know, going back, whatever it was, 15 years ago. But if you're Aaron Rodgers right now and you're trying to win that one more Super Bowl, can you try to put yourself in his shoes or even better yet, Richmond, being a left tackle and a veteran left tackle on that team and knowing that maybe you only have a couple of shots left at this, how would you feel about that as a teammate? Sure. Aaron Rodgers been there for a minute. Um, so, like you said, he has at least a couple years. He probably can squeeze out a couple of more, like Brady. You know, the league's a little different now um, than when we played. But, like you said, those opportunities, w- w- before you know it, it's like you go up, come in the league, and then, next, then you know you're at 10 years, and you're like, you look back and you say, hey, where'd the time go? Right. Um, he knows how hard it is to actually not only get to the playoffs and, um, you know, advance to an NFC championship game and try to get to the Super Bowl. And I think it's even tougher now because you only got two wild card teams. It was structured a little bit different when we were there. Um, and um, uh, so, you know, like you said, they took a quarterback, but you want to say, hey, if you're the player, you want to say, hey, bring me some guys and surround me with some guys. I still can get it done and give me the best chance to try to, you know, take us back to the Super Bowl. So, um, I can see why he's frustrated, but then when you look at it from management side, they're saying, yeah, this guy's probably got, you know, two, maybe three more years. Kind of same similar situation with Brett Favre. They, they took Aaron Rodgers, the same thing. So right. he probably he probably sees the handwriting on the wall and just saying, okay, if I don't do it in a couple of years, you know, I'll probably be out of here. But it, it's tougher when you don't have what you need to try to accomplish what you're trying to do so yeah i get that yeah exactly i definitely feel for a guy like that and uh you know again it's almost uh, kind of akin to dan marino they didn't get him a whole bunch of help a whole bunch of you know quote-unquote skilled weapons around um so yeah that, that was a tough part also so i definitely get it from uh, a team perspective and also his perspective uh, i tweeted immediately after they made the pick that he should leave town i'm being a niner fan i would <laughs> I would love to have him on the Niners, but we know it's not going to happen with Garoppolo now. And yeah, you, like you said before, the Niners, we are uh, we are built for the future. We were talking off air. Uh, got Trent Williams at left tackle, replacing Joe Staley. Um, they had Brandon Ayuk as their number one wide receiver anyway. And uh, Javon Kimlo, who's uh, kind of, you know, uh, you know, making him process over here. We'll see what he's got, but certainly looking forward to it. And again, here, hanging out with Richmond, uh, Richmond Webb. We got a couple of more minutes over here on the Roof of Sports podcast presented by the Sports Column. Maybe a question or two left, Richmond. Again, really, thanks so much for uh, hanging with me. I really appreciate it. Been a lot of fun so far. Um, yeah, you know what? 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 what something I do want to say, which again has to be acknowledged, is that you were inducted into the Dolphins Honor Roll. You know, a lot of teams have the Ring of Honor, but the Dolphins have the Honor Roll, and that was Christmas of two thousand six, and. You know, to me, I actually do remember, remember that, believe it or not. And um, to me, that was like your whole Hall of Fame induction ceremony because we're not going to go through this whole thing. I'm sure that it frustrates you as it does a lot of other people. But to me, you're a guy who absolutely does belong. 1990s old decade team. I don't really get it. But uh, you're a guy who did it all against the best man. So I, I would imagine that at least was a special day for you. Well, yeah. And, and you know, I, I think 
they're starting to understand by just putting in five or six guys a year that some guys are getting slighted. Um, and I, I think that's one of the things they did this year when they went and tried to put in, I guess, a class of 20 to try to rectify some of that. And I'm sure just like anything, they'll make adjustments and whatever. But, um, you know, you just take it one year at a time. The good thing, my name keeps coming up. And, um, yeah, uh, you know, that, that's the thing. that When your name stops coming up, that's when – I'd probably say get maybe a little bit more concerned, but um, I know some other guys waiting just like me. So, like I said, it's a process, and um, I still got a shot. So I, I just, hey, I'll, I'll just let it keep playing out. Yeah. yeah. I hear you, man. Yeah, again, again that's again, it's this whole numbers thing. Look, if a, if a man deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, that's the bottom line. I don't care if it's three people a year or 15 people a year. Look, that's just the way that you do it. And, uh, you know, to me, you know, people have waited long enough to get in and because of their dumb little system. But anyway, besides that point, Rich Ben, I'm going to let you go after this one last question. Again, being the great offensive lineman that you are, that you were, especially in the league with the Dolphins. I know Cincinnati injuries plagued you in the last few years. No reason to even get into that right now. You were a superstar. But when you look at offensive linemen today, especially left tackles, who's a guy or two that stands out to you that does the job really well? Really well? Uh, a few of them. Uh, um, um, I like the, the kid Smith at Dallas. Sure. Um, the Eagles overall have a really good offensive line. I like their whole offensive line. And um, um, uh, Larry, Larry Tonsil, that was at Miami, that went to um, mm. uh, Houston Texans, he was coming into his own. So those are a few just right off the top of my head that uh, that uh, they got some really good tackles. And, and now more seems like they're throwing the ball more and more and more. So um, I think teams are really understanding that if we're going to, pass the ball um, a lot more. You really got to have those athletic guys because you instead of getting these, these, I don't know how they keep getting bigger and faster, but man, it's just, it's just scary. <laughs> but you got to try to combat that, and, and, and that's what most teams are doing. So um, um, those are some, a few of the guys that just kind of just stick out, you know, right when you answer that question right there. Yeah, definitely, yeah. And that makes plenty of sense. Yeah, there's a few more out there. Some are, uh, you know, um, Retiring prematurely, I know that, again, you know, Joe Staley did have his problems, but Travis Frederick, uh, you know, a few guys, even on defense like Luke Keekley. So we got to enjoy them while we have them. I enjoyed you while you were here, Richmond. I mean, listen, man, I would love to get you on again sometime in the near future. I know the schedule's coming out tonight. That's always interesting. Win-win, loss, loss, win-win-win, loss, and all that stuff. But it never turns out the way we think it's going to be. So we'll see. But uh, I like your Dolphins this year, buddy. I think you guys are definitely taking a step up. I, I love the offseason. You might have your quarterback of the future. Let's pray he stays healthy. But uh, talent-wise, I think he was the best one out there. So I think you guys are looking up this year, and I like your head coach. Yeah, I, I think they're making the right moves. I really like the last two drafts, and they're really – building, I mean, he tore it down, but he's building it back the right way and um, really made some moves that really improved off our, our whole team, offensively and defensive. So I feel good, and I think this is going to be a much better year than last year. Yeah, yeah, me too, me too. And you know what, just being in Miami now, um, was never really a Jet fan, like I say, I'm a Niner fan, so I've kind of adopted them a little bit down here. So I'm with you, man. I'm on your side. And again, Richmond Webb, just really, thank you so much. Uh, Hall of Famer in pretty much anybody's eyes who can watch football. 
unbelievable career. Uh, again, you know, 1990s all decade team, first team all pro twice. But you did it all. You blocked the best of them. You played with the best. Again, congratulations on a great career. And really, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me today, man. I can't thank you enough. Hey, Jason, it was fun. I look forward to it. And, and maybe we can do it in again in the future. But I had a blast. And thanks for having me on the show. That would be absolutely fantastic. Again, Richmond Webb on the Roof of Sports podcast, guys. We'll see you again in a few days on 3rd and 3 with Nikki, Damien, and me. We'll be talking about uh, the schedule release, uh, even a little bit of MJ, uh, you know, the last dance. Richmond, I'd like to talk to you about that someday if you were actually watching. But uh, for now, guys, we are out. We thank you for uh, hanging in there. Richmond, great to talk to you, buddy. And again, like you said, hopefully we'll do it again in the near future. Sounds good. You have a good evening. You too, my friend. Thank you very much.